Hello, Sacred Rebel. Sam Goldsmith here and welcome to Her Great Rebellion, the podcast. This is the podcast that delivers the strategy and woo to alchemize your sacred inner rebel and create the freedom you desire rooted in deep emotional stability. Through thought work, sacred medicine and radical rebellion, we remember who we really are. As we spend time together here each week, I'm going to invite you to take a few moments to breathe together, to do our conscious breathing like we do at the beginning of every episode. This is a sacred action that's radically transformed my own life in so many ways. And it's the way that I uh, start all of my work in the Rebel Life Bootcamp program. And uh, I just feel like it's a really lovely opportunity for us to re-presence and ground into uh, a few moments of conscious breathing that we might not get to do any other time throughout the day. So I'll quickly say hello to our guest today. Hello, Moni, how are you? Hey, Hi. I hope you are too. Thank you. So Moni, I'm going to invite you to breathe with us just for a moment before we jump in and I'll introduce you uh, properly. So just to remind everybody that this um, few moments to breathe is just an opportunity to actually take some nourishing breaths in to recalibrate our nervous system a little bit and just to open up some other um, listening and hearing channels within our body. So when we're super busy, we often are finding that we don't even, you know, take our breath um, deeply and nourish ourselves with our breath. So if you can, um, for now, let's just recognize our breath and breathing together in this way as an entry point uh, into a sacred dimension, a moment to remember and recognize ourselves as sacred, to open up sacred listening channels, sacred hearing, sacred feeling, and sacred understanding. Okay, so wherever you are right now, let's just breathe together for a few moments. If you're listening uh, in a place where you can close your eyes, then all the better. If not, if you're in your car or you're out walking or you have headphones on, you can simply direct your attention inward or even call your energy back into yourself for a few moments. Okay, so breathing in together through our nose and gently and easily out of our mouths. If you've had a busy day, you might like to breathe out of your mouth with sound or with force to release any built up energy anywhere else in the body. And just beginning to allow your breath to find its own natural, easy rhythm. Perhaps noticing that some breaths are deeper and some more shallow. Noticing that you don't need to force or control the breath, that the body is naturally and gently recalibrating itself to its most easeful state. Notice that this also happens quickly. And as your breathing settles, I invite you to connect to your heart space, to the energy that we feel around the area of our physical heart and our energetic heart. Perhaps it's the front of your chest and the back of your chest. When you feel this energy, gently give the heart permission to travel up the length of your spine to the mind and to gently quieten it down. 
let's allow that quietness now to move over the top of your physical head and run down the entire length of your physical body, coating your whole body in a layer of calm. And as we continue to gently breathe here, let's sense the energy that is residing beneath this layer of calm. Perhaps you recognize it as your inner being, as your divine being, as some other source of inner guidance that you resonate with. And breathing here, let's give this divine being permission to hear, interpret, process and feel anything and everything in the perfect way for our highest good. Okay, beautiful beings. So as part of this series, you know I'm wanting to bring to you stories of unique radical rebellions and share with you golden nuggets that my guests have mined from their own lived experiences, embodiment of their own work and the ways that they share that work to now help other women. Today, we have an absolute treat for you. I'm sure you're going to enjoy. And uh, her work fits beautifully in with the work that we do in boot camp, where we talk about upgrades and the inner dialogues that talk to us about those upgrades. And of course, my own personal obsession with decluttering. So please uh, meet Moni Castaneda. Hi, Moni. Hey. Hi, Moni, let me just briefly introduce you. So Moni is a feng shui consultant and we might be pronouncing that in different ways depending on which part of the world we're coming from. Uh, Moni is also a speaker and an author and she helps her clients to turn their current homes into dream homes where they can be happy with the people that they love. Moni created a space arrangement method that combines modern architecture with feng shui and the principles of alternative healing and she helps women all over the world become empowered by turning their homes into a supportive partner instead of a drain. So I'm so delighted to welcome you here, Moni. I cannot tell you how much I love that you say you turn a home into a supportive partner. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into doing this beautiful work. Yes. So I was uh, born and raised in Ecuador, which is a small country in South America, right on the equator. And there I studied architecture and I got my degree. And then I moved to the United States to join my husband. I followed love. And um, when I was here, I realized that um, my degree was not accepted here because there were no agreements between the universities there and the universities here. And so I would have to go back to school for four or five years, depending on the school. And that was not an option for me. So I, I came across, I stumbled upon Feng Shui and... Uh, then I realized maybe I was meant to study architecture so that I, I would understand um, feng shui better. You know, like maybe architecture, studying architecture was not uh, my mission to become an architect and work as an architect, but it was just something that I needed to learn in order to be able to understand and interpret feng shui for the masses, so to speak. Mm. And Moni, when you say your degree wasn't uh, accepted there, I know that this is something that a lot of people relocating to um, to other areas and trying to uh, find a, find their way, you know, through that academic alignment system that's so varied around the world. Did that bring up um, a lot of sort of emotional things for you to deal with around 
recreating yourself. And I know you said there that you were able to reframe that into, um, you know, a purpose. How did you go about that? Because it's quite challenging if, if somebody's suddenly like taking away this point of recognition that you have always seen yourself as or fitted into. Well, I am. Um, my degree is uh, six and a half years, right? So, and I took a little bit longer because I work. I was working supporting myself, paying for my own school, and uh, so I took eight years to get a six and a half year degree. And um, what has, um, you know, when you have put so much time into doing something, um, what is going on is that um, you have invested so much of yourself. And it's kind of like a shock to see that nothing is, um, it's gonna, you feel, you have this moment where you feel it's going to be for nothing, mm. right? So like all the sleepless nights and all the, you know, sometimes three days without sleep and uh, all the work and the effort and the pouring over the floor plans and the studying uh, was it for nothing. And it was especially so for me because um I studied architecture based on a, a prompt from spirit. So I was like maybe 20 years old and I had taken a, a sabbatical year between high school and college because I wanted to make sure I didn't go make a mistake to see my career. Uh, and I had kind of decided to study some kind of engineering before. And then, you know, I woke up a morning, one morning, and then there was this message that, um, that said, uh, go registered for the school of architecture and I, I literally woke up and s uh, sat up in my bed and there was this message in my head and I had never in my life considered studying architecture right mm -hmm. and so um, I went to the school and registrations uh, were closed for that year they told me I had to wait a year and I thought well this is really strange but then uh, through a series of serendipitous events I was actually able to register and uh, throughout my career, you know, throughout the eight years that I was studying, you know, this is a Latin American country. So part of why it took me so long was also there was um, a strike from the workers of the university and the university closed for a while. And so and all this um, throughout this whole process, I kept getting uh, signs that it was the right thing to do, that I, it was the right path, right? And so all of a sudden to move to another country and realize you don't have that, it is pretty shocking. But I I was not, um, I'm not, I'm not a, a glass half empty kind of person. And I'm not even a glass half full kind of person. I'm a, I'm a glass, the glass is always full kind of person. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not really an optimist. And, uh, and so I just took it in stride and I figured, you know, well, you know, there's, um, I'm just going to see what happens, you know, I'm just going to adapt to this new country. And fortunately, you know, I, I did have skills in graphic design, so I was able to find a good job. And, um, and then I just kept my eyes and my ears open. And then I started getting all these messages in the same way that I had gotten the messages to study architecture. I started being pulled by spirit, um, by, you know, in feng shui, you call it heaven. I, I started being guided by heaven to, um, to, look at feng shui, to study feng shui, to um, choose one of the branches of feng shui, because there's two branches of feng shui. And, and I was guided all along the way. And so once I, I started feeling that again, the suffering went away, the suffering about, you know, I'm not going to be able to use my profession, because I knew I was still being led to something. Mm 
Right. And so when you were going through that process, I believe that you also realized that some of the um, the traditional things that were associated with the feng shui weren't necessarily aligning for you. And so you actually started your own school. I did, you know, so I, I had this, um, my first book on feng shui, I actually won as a door prize. And so my husband and I had gone to um, a lecture. It, it was this holistic event, you know, there was um urban music and healing festival close to where we lived and went to this event. And there was a lecture on iridology, you know, the reading of the eyes. And um, we were late. And so we went in, we snuck in very quietly because we were embarrassed that we were late. And somebody tapped me on the shoulder and handed me a book on feng shui. And uh, she said, this is your book. And I said, no, it's not. And she said, yes, it is. And she, you know, she got really close and she told me in my ear that they had put everybody's names in that had registered for the event in a hat. And they pulled out a name and it was my name. And since I wasn't there, they said, okay, let's get another name out. And then they got my husband's name. And so since we share the, the same last name and it's not a common last name, they, because they were healers, they decided the book was meant for me and they needed to keep it for me. And so, oh, wow, what a beautiful story. Yeah. Isn't that amazing, right? And and then, you know, when I was, um, I, I feel guided to choose, um, there's two branches of feng shui. Compass school is a, um, a type of feng shui that is more based on astrology and numerology. And then there's form school, which actually looks at the space and uh, looks at um, what makes a thriving natural environment and tries to reproduce that. In, uh, in the homes and, and buildings that we have in our cities and our, in our, all our homes and villages and everywhere. And so I was guided, you know, there was also like this very um, mystical moment uh, when I was guided to choose form school over combat school. And, uh, and so at some point, you know, I had decided, okay, I'm going to become a function consultant. And I looked at all the schools that were available then, and I researched them and I had phone calls, I talked to people. And I could not commit to any of them because of my training in architecture. So some of the, for example, you know, with uh, Compass School Feng Shui, some of the advice that they were given on colors was really, really bizarre. And uh, I, I, I knew I could never bring myself to tell a client, do this with the color of your walls, you know. And then there was another school that was really popular then, known as the Black Hat School of Feng Shui. And, uh, there, there has some advice regarding mirrors that I knew wouldn't work. So there was this experience in architecture, in uh, my knowledge of space and the way things work and the way people move in their spaces. Um, I saw that there was this, um, there were these things that just wouldn't work in practice. Maybe they, they were sound in theory, but they wouldn't work in practice. And one thing I didn't want to do is I didn't want to uh, sign up to study under a master and then not honor that master. Um, by um, by following their advice, but instead doing something different and saying they were wrong. I was very, uh, very aware of that, that I didn't want to do that. You know, I didn't want to dishonor a master. I believe if you take on a master, you respect them, right? And so at some point, I didn't know what to do and I felt like I was stuck, but people learned that I had so much passion about feng shui because I wouldn't stop talking about it. And so people started inviting me to do lectures and to... Um, to become their consultant and I would tell them no I'm not ready <laughs> I'm just uh, dabbling in this I'm just uh, it's just like a hobby I'm an aficionado 
and uh, then they um, um, they insisted, you know, like so people were like, "Give this lecture. Can you teach a workshop?" And somebody told me uh, on one of those occasions when I was still resisting and saying no, she she told me, uh, "You know more through your own studies uh, than the people who are doing this as a business." And so then there was actually more than one person who told me that. And so then one morning, you know, I woke up and this voice was there again, the same voice and the same silent voice that I believe comes from heaven that told me to study architecture, told me to start my own school and to write a book. And so and that's why I, you know, I decided to join my studies of architecture and which I was actually very lucky because I didn't do um, the traditional architecture. Uh, the traditional architectural training. Um, I did uh, some experimental uh, training in addition to my regular studies of architecture. So there was their uh, semiology, you know, the study of symbols, topology, which is a, a different form of geometry, you could say, and also system theory. And so with, with this knowledge I had, and I had also studied some alternative therapies and experienced a number of alternative therapies. And so when I started studying feng shui, I studied it as a branch of ancient Chinese medicine. And I had a mentor who's an expert in ancient Chinese medicine. And I started, uh, because there was so much confusion about feng shui, I wanted to discern and I wanted to sift true knowledge from uh, superstitions and uh, incorrect information. And so I based my system on the same principles that you use for acupuncture or qigong or tai chi. Mm, very interesting. And so, Moni, um, the process that you're utilizing now is really um, working with women to create these dream homes by sort of rediscovering themselves and finding out who they are and what matters to them. So, how are you incorporating this rediscovery of self into the way that they are um, creating that home environment to? support that yeah so the system i created is called the nine steps to feng shui system and nine is a, like a mystical number in ancient china you know in ancient chinese medicine and there's actually you know there's a temple of heaven in beijing it's um, built the access to the temple has three sets of nine steps which uh, is something that curiously i didn't know when i created the system and then so finding that out was a confirmation for me so what I do is that, uh, you know, I have um, organized the principles of ancient Chinese medicine by the numbers, you know, like the Tao that goes for, um, goes with completion, the sense of wholeness, the yin and yang, which is the balancing of the, the positive and the negative, the masculine, the feminine, and qi, you know, which is the life force. And, uh, and then other principles like rhythm and the five elements. And, and, um, and so I have assigned some uh, tasks that we do in the home for each of these uh, principles of ancient Chinese healing. And uh, we work on the home to turn the home into a dream home where you can be happy with the people you love. But each of the steps that we do is going to generate a transformation in the, in the person, the people in the home, all the people in the home, but especially the, the woman in the home, the um, the female head of household, let's put it that way. because. Um, Still, you know, even though there's a, a lot more equality today, um, there's still, you know, the. I think women still have more of a nurturing instinct than men. 
you know, and it may be social conditioning, I don't know, but um, most of my clients are women, you know. And uh, so what we do is and that we go through these nine steps, right? And so the first step is to complete the floor plan. And that is to help women understand that they need to live a life of strategy, that they need to stop making excuses and uh, plan their life. Then we do step number two, which is about correcting imbalances, anything that is too much or too little. And uh, that helps people balance their lives and stop uh, falling for drama or creating drama. Then we will do step number three, which is uh, to achieve a healthy circulation of chi or the life force. What we want is to regain vitality because too many people today, and especially women, because of all the tasks, all the hats we have to wear, you know, with rearing children, with uh, um, taking care of the house, with work, and, and also following our own passions. You know, there's so many things to do. It's so easy to fall into habits that result in fatigue. And so we organize the home so that the home nurtures you instead of draining you. Then step four, which is about rhythm, that we work with the circadian rhythms, right? And so we controlled um, the amount of light in the house, artificial light, natural light, and a a lot of um, natural light control is done through windows. And so there you look at the types of windows, uh, when the windows are open and closed, what kind of air is coming in, the kinds of window treatments that you need. And all of that uh, contributes uh, to create a sense of opportunity. And that's, you know, being lucky is just about being in the right place at the right time. So if you have enough vitality, enough energy, and you can be in the right place at the right time, that's when you become lucky. And so step five is about harmonizing the five elements in feng shui, which are water, wood, fire, metal, and earth. Um, they're a little different, you know, to the elements we're used to. And uh, and so that has to do with harmonizing color shapes and materials in the home. But the end result is to become more able uh, to get along with your family members and to also get along with yourself to end that internal conflict. Step number six, which is about uh, controlling the language of the home, um, we work on photos, mainly, you know, photographs, mirrors, and art. And so it's to make sure that the home is telling you good things. You know, the ancient Chinese said, everything in your home is talking to you. Make sure they have nice things to say. Yes. And so, yeah. And so what happens when the home is not giving you good feedback, the home is nagging at you. You don't want a home to nag at you, right? You want the home to tell you, you are doing great. You have good taste. You're organized. And so that is, is to help people stop self-sabotage and actually treat themselves well. You know, your home should not treat you uh, like an abusive person would treat you. You know, your home should encourage you. So step seven is about decluttering. And I don't see decluttering the way a lot of people see decluttering as living the minimalist life. And I see decluttering as making room, making space for life, you know, making space so you can show the beauty of your home, making space for you to do the things that you're really passionate about. And also declaring has to do with healing the past. So step eight is uh, that's where we use the Bagua map, you know, which is like a tic-tac-toe drawing that you put on top of a floor plan or bedside view of a home. And so you assign nine life areas to spots in your floor plan. And that is about establishing healthy goals because most people, like if you, yeah, I think most people, if you ask them where they're going to be in a year, five years, 10 years, and there's uh, 
they can't even tell you, you know, they haven't set goals. But even the people who set the goals, they're only thinking about where they want to be in terms of money and wealth, where they want to be in terms of relationships, and uh, um, maybe where they want to travel, you know, but they don't, uh, they don't think globally. You have to be think globally to be truly happy, you know, so there's nine life areas, there's career, relationships, health, wealth, um, luck is in life area, believe it or not, um, tr- um, spirituality and travel. And then you also have creativity and children, wisdom and fame and reputation. And so we, we teach the client how to set healthy goals for themselves in each of these life areas based on an understanding of how nature works. And then comes step number nine, which is about positions, you know, and Certain positions help you be more productive, rest better, and uh, and just feel better in every way. So we seek to arrange the furniture according to certain rules that reproduce the, the components of a thriving natural environment. And so I, I actually, my system actually have checklists we go through, you know, when you're looking at, the, say, the dining room, we go through a checklist of, this, uh, of everything you need to have in terms of furniture, accessories, decorations, and lighting to have a dining room that promotes health. We look at the master bedroom and we go through a checklist of everything you have to make sure that your master bedroom is uh, promoting equality, communication, and passion. And so at the same time that we're helping um, the client turn their home into a dream home, we're also helping them go through an internal transformation that is gonna make them get in touch with their authentic self. Because in our society, there's too much of of a tendency for um, women to give up their identity in favor of somebody else's identity, you know, where they become somebody's girlfriend, somebody's wife, somebody's mom, and they tend to forget themselves. And, and I know it's natural when you get married and you have kids, it's natural that you're going to put a lot of things in the back burner because the kids become the priority. But as kids grow older and start becoming more independent, you also need to be able to reconnect with who you really are and what you came to do as an individual. Yes, I'm so excited by what you're sharing, Moni, because it's just, I really um believe that our home is like an extension of our energy as well and we can't um I'm talking about this a lot I feel like I talk about it on every episode but basically you know we can't compartmentalize our lives and think that we can be really happy and fulfilled in our work if we hate where we live or we can be productive in our relationships if we're you know, beating ourselves up about our appearance in secret, like all of these things that are going on are happening, um, you know, happening, the energy of them is is happening on every level. So taking this care and attention in the way that we are um, constructing our home and what you're sharing about that correlating to the transformation that people are experiencing within themselves as they begin to look at these things and challenge them. I can only imagine how deep and interesting those discoveries are that you, that you get to with people. Um, I'm interested in just hearing your thoughts about about what's really um, challenging for people when they they're implementing um, these ideas into their home. So I'm sure people who are listening are thinking in practical terms, like, oh, but what if I'm renting? What if I live in an apartment? What if I have to share my space with 
roommates and those sorts of things. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say about those practicalities, but then also what are the, um, what are the sort of um, transformational aspects that you see happening with people as well? Yeah. And so, you know, in feng shui, we believe that in in part of ancient Chinese medicine, that humans are two-part souls. So one part of you is the spirit that you are that came from heaven. And the other part of you is the gift of the earth in the body that you're occupying, right? So you could say the spirit is, um, or the, the body is the home of the spirit. And when you unite the body and the spirit, you get a human soul. But the human soul has a place where it lives too, and that place is the home. And we are programmed, we are hardwired to seek beauty and harmony. It's not something that some people are drawn to and others are not. You know, this is a human need, and you cannot deny that. And what I can tell you is no matter what your circumstances, no matter where you live, whether you own or you rent, whether you live by yourself or you just occupy a room in a larger home, you can always do things to improve your space. And if you do not improve your space, your space deteriorates. You know, things don't stay uh, static. They either get better or they get worse. And so it's super important that you that you do that. You know, and I have some of my best clients are people who are renting. And what they tell me, you know, because I asked them, you know, what motivated you to do feng shui even though you're renting? And they, they told me, still my home is where I live. It's my space. And if I don't have good feng shui now, how will I ever get to a point where I own a home? Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's, it's super important and because those are excuses. You know, when people are thinking, oh, yeah, I wish I could do feng shui. But, you know, I live in an apartment, but my place is too small, but I don't have the budget, but, but, but those are excuses. So the first thing we do in feng shui is help you complete your floor plan so that you are, don't make excuses anymore, but that you realize that you already have been given everything that you need in order to be happy, healthy, and successful. So I'll put it to you this way. Okay. So, and I'm sure everybody has had the experience of putting together a puzzle, right? And um, when you go to a store, if you go to a store and you buy a brand new puzzle where the box is sealed, you are warranted that every piece is there. So you know, like it can be a thousand pieces, 2000 pieces, 5000 pieces. You know, when that you take that home, it, it might take you a long time, but eventually you'll have the whole picture, right? Yes. But imagine if you went to buy a, a puzzle box in a thrift store where it has already been opened and there's no warranty, right? And you could take that puzzle home and you could spend hours, days, weeks putting that puzzle together to find out that all the pieces are in there and that's an incomplete puzzle, right? And so in the same way, when your floor plan is not complete, and by that I mean, if a complete floor plan is a square or a rectangle, if your home has the shape of an L, the shape of a C or just an irregular shape and it's not a square or a rectangle, that's an incomplete floor plan. So what happens in, in people's um, minds is that when the floor plan is incomplete, even if they don't know about the life areas and where the life areas go, they feel like it's not worth it because it's like having that puzzle you bought in a secondhand shop and it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, it's there's always the potential that you're going to be disillusioned and disappointed because the pieces aren't there. And so what we do with feng shui is give you that feeling that you have the whole package, that the, the, 
pieces of the puzzle that is your life, that are your life missions, because we believe you came to life with life missions, they're all there. You may not see the big picture at the moment, but all the pieces are there and you can improve your life in every possible way. But in order for you to, to start taking action towards that, to improve your home and improve your life, you have to believe that when you are done, it's going to be complete. Yes. And Moni, do you see any um, correlations between certain things in the home and certain manifestations in people's lives or in their businesses? Most people listening to this podcast have like a business or a blog or a passion project or something like that. What are the really common ones that you see? Well, feng shui is uncanny in, uh, in actually reflecting what people are going through. And so the home affects you and you also affect the home, right? And with feng shui, you can consciously affect the home. So the home starts nurturing you and supporting you. So a, a very common thing that I see is um, blocking the main door so that you open the door and the door bounces back from hitting things that are stored or thrown behind the door. And so not having a door that opens uh, with no restrictions and with no noises, and that can really block your career and your ability to make money. Another common problem that I see is when people have a long and narrow hallway, they put a mirror at the end of the hallway and that mirror doubles the length of the hallway. Mm-hmm. And so people who do that, they start feeling that everything takes too long, that everything is harder and takes longer than they originally thought. And all you have to do is take that mirror from the end of the hallway and put it on the side. Another common thing that I have found is mirrors that distort the image, you know, like mosaic mirrors or mirrors that are convex or um, concave um, in homes of people who have some kind of an addiction. You know, they have that distorted um, reflection of themselves. And so these, of course, these are symbolisms and there are correspondences, but it's uncanny how feng shui matches, you know, one that is coming to my mind is working with a client. There's a, a spot in the home for marriage and uh, marriage is of two people, right? And uh, I, I saw three items in that, um, in that corner, right? Well, this is sounding and, ominous, yes. <laughs> there actually was a third person in that marriage. Yeah. And so people put symbols, you know, they put a painting here, a, a photograph there, and they're based on what their unconscious minds are picking up of what's happening. So for example, somebody might take a picture of three people and put it in the relationship corner of their home, even though they don't know about feng shui, they don't know that there's relationship corner, but they, they put that there because they feel something is off. They feel something is wrong. And then later on, they find out the partner was cheating on them. And so there's, I mean, there's so many. There, um, there was one doctor that told me um, a former associate was trashing his reputation and he actually had trash out of control in the fame and reputation spot of his, uh, his place. Mm-hmm. It's just uncanny. Yeah, I think there's going to be so many people looking up your details after hearing this 
this podcast yeah. and find out about their own homes. And um, I will circle back in a minute to talk about working with professionals and how that makes such a big difference. But what I'm hearing from what you're saying is so uplifting because it's really also bringing us back to that um, space of what I talk about with my clients is being really rooted in emotional stability and that being your superpower. And this is a way that we can, um, you know, alter our environment and alter our experience through really super simple things like what you were mentioning about the door you know it doesn't cost money to move things or to put a bit of grease on your door to stop the noise happening and things like that so it's really also re-presencing us to that place of inner stability and power to lead ourselves and um and change our circumstances so yeah it's so fascinating so tell me Moni um I know you mentioned about um I asked you previously about um, what you would recommend for women who are feeling stuck or knowing that they need to change or support um, something. And you said not to try and do it DIY, but do it DIG, do it with guidance. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, what, what do you, um, what do you feel about that? Like what's the difference? We talk about working with coaches and mentors and how, you know, that creates a huge catalyst, whether it's in um, calibration to the person or in information receiving in the form of a coach. So how do you feel like working with a professional is really more valuable for people in this sense? Well, you know, and here I have to confess, I made a huge mistake in, uh, in my business and my approach to feng shui in the beginning. And I actually wrote a series of do-it-yourself feng shui books, you know, feng shui your own home, declutter your own spaces, feng shui your own yard. Um, and I, you know, they're really good books and they explain things really, really clearly. But even with those books, you need to have some kind of feedback. You need, you need to have a person to guide you. You need to have a person to answer questions for you. And so one thing that I didn't realize, you know, because I have such a good understanding of space based on my <laughs> over six years of architectural training, um, I thought, oh, this should be easy for everybody to understand. And it's not, right? And so I think uh, for, and like for you, you know, what, what you do for a living, how you help your clients, that comes natural to you. And so sometimes we make that mistake of thinking the things that come natural to us must be easy for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. And so I respect people wanting to do it themselves. But you can get stuck and you can get, you can actually go the wrong way. And with some things, you know, like if you're trying to do it, do yourself, like build um, a table by yourself, you know, and you fail miserably, you end up with a pile of wood, right? But if you're trying to do it by yourself, something that can affect your luck, like in the case of feng shui, right? Uh, if a home with good feng shui creates good luck, a home with bad feng shui creates bad luck, that's a little bit too risky to do. You know, you don't want to uh, to risk creating bad energy, bad karma, bad luck for you and uh, for your family. And so you really need to do things with guidance. And uh, I imagine, you know, like when you are a coach, you know, when you're coaching people, that's about the same thing. You know, do you really want to risk uh, going through an internal transformational process without the guidance of a person that has already been on that path, right? It seems like um, reinventing the wheel. So you can actually lose a lot of time. You can lose a lot of energy. You can lose resources uh, by trying to this, do things yourself instead of accepting help. And so, in the, you know, a lot of people, they equate money with wealth, but they're actually separate. 
Money can be used to feed wealth, but they're actually totally separate life areas in feng shui. The, uh, the life area that has to do with money is at the front of the home and the life area that has to do with wealth, it's at the back of the home. And so, and what I tell people is um, you cannot grow wealth because you have to grow your wealth as, as if it was a plant without building community. And building community means having a team, right? And so if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to get ahead in life, you need people who help you do the, the things that, uh, that you shouldn't be doing because they're not your genius, right? And so for example, you need to have a virtual assistant. Maybe you need to have a graphic designer, a web designer. Maybe you need a person to handle your social media. And, and so those are the people that help you in a way, you know, with those tasks that are not your area of genius and that they're not the areas that produce you money so that you can devote your energy to the things that produce you money. But you also need help from above. So there's a life area in Feng Shui that is helpful people. And it includes the people who help you in the small ways and the people who help you in the large ways and also the people you help. And that's what, what creating community means, you know? So it makes no sense to try to do everything yourself. And it's actually really sad that so many women, they fall into the trap of thinking they have to do everything themselves. And uh, have you met that? Have you met entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs that um, they want to do their own website and they want to write their own emails and they want to do their own social media and their own funnels and everything. Oh and my God, it's money. It's, I, yeah. You're speaking of me directly, you know, this is my experience. And, you know, I talk about it as well in terms of the mistakes that I've made because um, we're not talking today about money archetypes, but the type of particular archetype that I embody around, um, around money is really um, around a lot of doing things yourself and being sort of in accumulation phase and um, not... Um, investing or I invest in myself in terms of professional development, but I rem I tell a story of working in this job where I was earning like six figures in the job and I had a baby by myself and I had a business that I was building up and running um, after hours and I was still cleaning my own house. And now I look back on it and I just think that was at the time madness because the amount of money That's that madness. I would pay to pay someone yeah. to clean the house, you know, compared to what I could achieve for my business or my life or even my joy and fulfillment in that time, it just doesn't equate. And I feel like so many women get lost in, in this because there's a balance of, you know, your start, maybe you're at the beginning of your business journey, you're starting a business and you can't afford to have somebody doing all of these things that you need to do yourself. And I also understand that certainly with systems and people who I work with, I always tell my clients, like they need to understand their own systems as well. You can't give your power away to, um, you know, accountants and web designers and all these other things that could just go kaput and then you don't know how to deal with it. But it gets to a point where you have to, um, you know, value yourself and your time and bring these this support network or this team in to actually lift you up. And that is a big thing that is stopping women from scaling their business as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Every person that I have talked uh, um, about this with, they agree on this. Once you get the help, you realize like that you needed it a lot more than you thought you did. Mm -hmm. You know, 
And so when somebody tells you, you know, when somebody that knows more than you tells you you need help with something, it's probably a good idea to listen because you may be so stuck in trying to do everything yourself that you don't think you need the help. And then once you get the help, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was doing all that by myself. Yeah. And I think, you know, this work that you're doing, it's such a beautiful um, upgrade for people to invest in themselves because your home is such a fundamental part of your sort of foundation and security in life. You know, you want to walk into your door and feel like, oh, I'm in my home. This is where I'm really safe. And, um, you know, that's your energy to get uplifted when you come home, not bring you down. Yeah. Right. And I think especially for moms, there's this sense that the home is like your report card. And so if the home is not pretty, if it's not comfortable, it's not inviting, if it's a mess, you start telling yourself, how am I going to go have fun when I can't even handle my home? You know, how can I start a side business when I can't even keep up with laundry? Mm -hmm. How can I, you know, how can I go on a retreat when there's so much to do all the time at home, right? And so like my uh, my system helps women put their home on autopilot, so to speak, so that the home becomes a supportive partner that is going to help them get where they want to get instead of, of being that, um, like that uh, drain, that uh, problem that makes them want to get in the car and drive away. <laughs> yes. I love that. Oh, we could talk for so long about this money. Um, I want to give people some sort of practical things that I know they're going to look up your website because I definitely, I'm already thinking, how can I book an appointment to have you look at my home? <laughs> um, but what, what would you say, like your top three tips that people could implement right away if they want to um, really recalibrate the energy of their home now? Okay, so um, the first thing is make sure that your entrance is attractive, that your front door is attractive. And that means that it it needs to be visible, right? It shouldn't be covered up with hedges or clutter in the yard. It should be very clean. It should be attractive. It should be noticeable. And so that people, when they look at it from the street, feel that it's safe to approach your door. So make sure your front door is uh, appealing and attractive. Uh, put the garden art around it, put flowers around it. Uh, make your, get yourself to a point where you feel proud of your front door. The second tip would be what I had mentioned before, you know, make sure that your front door opens with no obstructions, that it opens uh, smoothly and uh, without making any kind of noises. and Control that first thing you see when you come in. So as soon as you open the door, make sure that your eyes are directed to something really beautiful, something that really tells you you are doing well. That would be the second one. And the third one would be to make sure that your living room or family room is not set up like a movie theater. So because so many families today, they get the most gigantic TV that they can get. And then they get a super comfortable sofa where you can slouch. And then that kills their social life because then when you come home and you want to de-stress, you want to have fun, you don't think about inviting friends over. You don't think about uh, 
going out to, to a fun place, all you think about is watching TV or playing video games. Mm. And so make sure that you set up your living room for conversation rather than for interaction with devices. Such good advice, such good advice. Oh, Moni, thank you so much. Um, is there, tell me where we can, where people can find you, where they can yeah. connect with you on social media or your website. Do you have any uh, opt-ins that you're using yeah. at the moment that people can subscribe so, to? My website is 9stepstofengshui.com. And if you don't know how to spell feng shui, just type spacearrangement.com spacearrangement.com will redirect to 9stepstofengshui.com. And then when you look at the menu at the top, you're going to see a link, a button that says free stuff or a tab that says free stuff. And you go there and there's about eight different webinars, free webinars that you can get. There's a, a guide of just what we talked about. You asked me about the three things a person can do. There's actually um, a guide of the five things that you can do to upgrade your home right now. Mm -hmm. There's also, also a free life areas test and a Bagua map, the functional map that we put over the floor plan with instructions on how to use it, how to apply it. And so th there's a lot, a lot of free content. So once you get any of these uh, free uh, pieces, you get on my mailing list and you, and you get um, uh, a series of emails that are going to help you understand the basics of feng shui. You also get an invitation to my uh, free feng shui group uh, that I have on Facebook, which is super engaged. And we, we play a lot of fun space games there. You know, we do quizzes, we do challenges. Uh, we have feng shui rock stars. Uh, every week, one person um, can... Uh, that wins a feng shui rockstar of the week gets uh, 15 to 20 minutes to ask me any question they have about feng shui so there's a lot of good things that you're going to get plus joining a community of people who like you believe that your space influences how you live your life and how you feel about yourself Oh, that's so generous. Amazing. Thank you so much, uh, Moni. Um, we're coming up to an hour now, so we're going to have to end there. But I really appreciate everything that you've shared. It's been a beautiful discussion for my, me, myself personally, and also for the women who uh, are listening to the podcast. I know that a lot of what you're saying is going to be really uh, touching them and resonating with them. So thank you so much. It was lovely to have this time with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's, it's been great to be here, Sam. And uh, I, uh, I really enjoyed the breathing at the beginning. You know, I, I really felt like you have a, a very calming, soothing voice and uh, the cadence and the rhythm and the exercise. You know, I, I really felt like a, a change in my energy field from oh. that. Thank you so much for saying that about money. It's such a powerful thing that we can all do just at any time throughout the day. So simple yeah. and free. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so uh, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, this season, I'm really looking forward to sharing even more guest insights with you and uh, exploring the ways that our guests have, uh, you know, mined their own lives for these amazing insights. So if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please hit subscribe. Uh, if you enjoy the episode, or even if you don't, just rate it anyway. It helps more people to um, to see it and bring more people into 
uh, our community. If you haven't already done so, you can also jump over to my website and uh, download my free self-doubt eraser meditation. So that's at www.samanthagoldsmith.com. And of course, you can also visit Amazon for a copy of my book, Her Great Rebellion. And remember, if you're ready to achieve radical results and experience all the freedom that you desire by really rooting firmly into um, that emotional stability, jump on the website, check out Rebel Life Bootcamp for lifetime access to the materials and the community that will support that. And I will see you next time. Until then, sit deep, live radically and do you, my sovereign sister. 